0: Well, I hope you're doing good. Um, I just want to remind you on Saturday mornings at 830, we meet up at the chapel for prayer. We encourage you to participate with us on a Saturday morning. Come by and spend some time praying with us. It's a lot of fun, actually. Um, ask you if you would stand to your feet. We're going to go straight to the scriptures today because uh, the scripture sort of lays the foundation for everything we have to talk about today. John chapter 1, verse 14. John 1, 14, And the word became flesh. And made his dwelling among us and we have seen his glory the glory of the one and only son who came from the father full of truth hi oh, I, I miss something I miss grace all right all right let me read it again the one and only son who came from the father full of grace well you gotta have both come on anybody in the room like me I am a truth person. Truth. There is right, there is wrong, and you live it. Come on. Is there anybody else in the room you're a grace person? Are you a grace person? You know what a grace person is. It's all right. It's okay. It'll be okay. It's come on, let's love and hug. It'll all be okay. They're the ones not saying anything. They're like sitting there, yes. And all the grace people are like, yeah, preach it, brother. (laughs) Notice that Jesus did not just come full of grace. Or just full of truth. You know, like my old time Pentecostal background, you gotta walk the line straight, full of truth. Not like the Methodists, we just love everybody. I'm picking on everybody here this morning. Can we have some fun? Is that all right? Turn to somebody and say, full of grace and truth. Well, grace and truth there, there needs to be both without one you become a jerk if you only have one you're a jerk and if you only have one you become a permissive run over person that never really accomplishes God's will you're either a jerk or you're too free huh Jesus came full of grace and truth you need both So Father, in a world that's crazy, in a Facebook that doesn't understand, we need both grace and truth. Our social media would need grace and truth. Our personal lives need grace and truth. Our understanding of this world need grace and truth. We can't be fully driven one way or the other. I know that everybody in this room has a bent one way or the other. They're bent one way or the other, but Jesus, you came as a perfect example, showing us how to balance the two. So we could accomplish the best you have for us. And we pray that in the name of Jesus, you would help us to walk that out. Amen. Amen. Turn smile at somebody today. Give them a big smile. Tell them Merry Christmas. Good to see you. Whatever you want to say. I don't care. Just give a smile. If you're online, here's your smile. Come on. You got to. Yeah. Smile back at me. I need it. All right. Anybody like me? I looked up this morning. When is winter solstice? When will it finally get to the end of my day shrinking and days will begin to get longer again? Did anybody look, anybody like me, you're like, please, could I have sunshine again? Yeah. All right. Well, all right. So I got a couple of jokes for you. First one was, I was feeling depressed the other day about such things as that. My wife walked over to me, put her hand on my shoulder and said, earth. You know, that meant the world to me. You know, to prove he was right, speaking of earth, the the flat earther, to prove he was right, the flat earther decided he would walk to the end of the earth. That's all right. He came around. (laughs) You know, I I use that last one on purpose because there are skeptics in this world, right? Right. There are skeptics. I believe that we all need a healthy dose of skepticism in our life. We need to ask the question. Anybody ever been a skeptic? Like I got an email one day and the email said that my uncle that I've never met uh, is an oil baron in the Middle East and that he died and he left me tens of millions of dollars. And all I need to do is send my bank account information. They will deposit my inheritance in my bank account. What do you think? Should I have done it? Should I, should I have sent my bank account information to this random email to my, why not? Because immediately my red flags went off and I thought, are there people really stupid enough to send them their bank account information? And apparently there are. Anyway, don't get me started there. How about this one? I got a text the other day. Apparently this is one going around. I got a text the other day from a bank that sent me a link to re-log into my account because I had been closed out of my account and they needed me to share some information so I could get back on my account. The problem is, is I don't have an account at that bank. I wonder if they wanted my social security number. Oh, I'm just wondering. (laughs) Uh, How about Jesse Smollett? Remember? The guy that... uh, was saying because his popularity was fading a little bit and needed a boost, his popularity, he he said he got beat up by a a couple of thugs for being black and gay. Come to find out he paid them. You remember that story? Hmm. I know none of you are ever skeptical about the election. (laughs) Either way, or COVID, or Fox, or CNN, or Newsmax. You know what we need in our culture? We need a little bit of skeptical thinking. We need some critical thinking. People will actually ask the question, what is the truth? I believe I believe that God is not afraid of the truth. He just wants us to mix it with grace. And uh, as a matter of fact, there's a verse that's sort of a life verse for me. And it's in John uh, chapter 8, verse 32. And it says, then you will know the what? truth and the truth will set you free. Then you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. So truth brings freedom. But if you only have truth and you don't mix it with grace, your freedom soon vanishes. Truth and grace. So I believe in being skeptical. I, I was reading this story and I, I thought I'd share it with you. It's about Uh, A guy named Landon Sanders, he was lecturing at a church in Colorado, and um, he was a Nazarene radio personality, and he was lecturing quite passionately about following Jesus. And and, uh, at the end of the lecture, I mean, the room was silent except for one guy in the back. He was standing there. He was, you know, looked like he just came from hiking in the mountains. He was wearing his boots and his vest and his stocking hat. He was standing there with his arms folded, and when uh, Landon asked if there were any questions, uh, the young man uh, spoke Cheapishly, He wasn't trying to pick a fight. I think it might have been the first time he ever heard it. He was just asking a question, repeating. He said, you mean to tell me that God became a baby and that he was born in a stable? And Landon said, yeah, that's what I mean to say. And and then he says, and after becoming a baby, he was raised in a blue collar home. He never wrote any books, held any offices, yet he called himself the son of God. Landon said, yeah, that's right. He never traveled outside his own country, never studied at a university, never lived in a palace, and yet asked to be regarded as the creator of the universe? Yeah, that's, that's about it. And this crucifixion story, he was betrayed by his own people, no followers came to his defense, and then he was executed like a common junkyard thief. That's, that's the story. And then after the killing, he was buried in a borrowed grave. And according to what's written, after three days in the grave, he was resurrected and made appearances to over 500 people. That's that's about right. You have the story right. Everybody knew what was coming. And this young man stood there with a look of sort of shock on his face. And and he said what maybe some of us have thought before. He said, doesn't that sound, well, uh, doesn't that sound... Rather absurd. What, it, what he did was that young man called out the question. John 8, 32 says that the truth, you will know the truth, and the truth will bring freedom. But sometimes the truth is a little difficult to understand, sometimes the truth is a little hard to swallow. Well, the book we've been working in here is the book of John, and it's actually a letter that John wrote. John was the apostle. John had seen Jesus. John actually, um, after he and witnessed Jesus die, buried, be resurrected, spent some time in Jerusalem, and then later went on to a place called Ephesus. And that's on the north side of the Sea of Galilee. Um, Ephesus and, and Colossae and Laodicea are all up in this area. And John was a pastor for many years up there in the city of Ephesus. And toward the end of his life, he penned this letter to the churches called the Gospel of John. It's what we call the Gospel of John. And he did so with an intentionality in what he wrote. He, he wrote this, this book in the latter part, probably around 70 to 90 A.D., late in his life. He was very close to his death. He was an old pastor by now, and he wrote down his words, and uh, he wrote a book to talk to the people of the area in which he lived up here on the northern, if this is the Mediterranean Sea, and this is where he lived. He wrote this letter, and there was a predominant philosophy of that area known as Gnosticism. Now, Gnosticism was a, a, a philosophy of the Jews that came from their interaction with the Greek gods. Now, if you know anything about Greek gods, the stories that they told, little g, back in the day, those gods, they, um, they were very aloof from humanity and didn't really interact with humanity except to kill people. So if they were gonna do anything positive, what they did was they would use a... An, emissary something in between them and humans and that was called well it it was called the logos and the logos was sort of the power that they used that communicated between the realm of the gods and the realm of the humans and that logos was the power that was used to go in between so in John chapter 1 where we read in the beginning was the word the word word there is the Greek word logos so that carries one meaning and definition to us but it carried a different definition to the people who originally received this letter. Paul was saying in the beginning was this power that functions between gods and the earth. And by the way in case you're wondering the, the very beginning words were in the beginning have you ever read those anywhere else in the scriptures. Genesis 1-1, that's how the Bible starts, in the beginning. So what John is doing is he is taking the grace and truth approach. He is taking the truth and he's taking the grace of the culture, the truth of God's truth and the grace towards the culture. And he's combining them both in one sentence as he's saying, in the beginning, speaking of God from the scriptures, was the word, this power, this Logos. Logos literally means word. It can mean uh, like the receipt of a check. Anybody ever ask the waitress, check please, when they bring you a check, that would be a logos. And and the logos was the edict, the power, the word, the, the communication. That's what logos means all throughout the New Testament. It's an incredibly, incredibly common word. And what had happened is the Greeks had taken this word and they'd made it into this divine power that God the gods communicated with the earth. And then notice what he says: "In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God." Which all the Greeks and, by the way, according to. um, the, the Jews were used to such personification because in the book of Proverbs, there are personifications about how wisdom was there with the God at the beginning of creation, if you've ever read the book of Proverbs. So what, what Paul, uh, John is doing here is John is intentionally speaking to all people on their level. And he says, in the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was God. And Jews and Gentiles alike are both going, yeah, you're right. And he was with God in the beginning. They're both, yeah. And through him, all things were made. Without him, nothing has been made that has been made. Hmm. So, the, the, okay, everything was made. And in him was life, and that life was the light of all mankind. So he's going to introduce a philosophy here, Okay. I know this is a little dense and a little thick, and it's intentionally so. I'm intentionally trying to teach you something today so you don't just hear a feel-good. You can actually read the Bible with some intelligence, all right? So I'm trying to teach you something. So buckle up, you know, turn your minds on, shake, do what you need to do, pinch yourself, do what you need to do, all right? But listen to this. The Gnostics had this view that since the gods lived here and humans lived here, there was a separation between them. So the spirit was good and flesh was bad. Are you following me here? So light is good and darkness is bad. So there was a a dichotomy, dichotomy. There was a division between the two worlds. This is going to play in what John is writing here because John is actually, all throughout this first chapter, especially and all throughout the book of John, he's going to be playing these words, light and darkness and spirit and flesh against each other. And there's this dichotomy and it's that the spirit world in the Gnostic mind was good and the fleshly world was bad. So it looked like one of two ways. According to the book of Colossians, the little letter Paul wrote to Colossae, the church of Colossae, in the same area Ephesus is here Colossians here and and in that same area he warns them against the harsh treatment of the body and and the book of Colossians is written against the same Gnostic theology and and it sort of works out for us this way see if I can bring it into our daily lives well since I'm already saved I can do anything I want since God's love covers over all my sins I'll just do whatever I want That's Gnostic theology. That's not biblical theology, by the way. How about this one? How about this one? Since God saved me, I owe him so much, therefore I gotta fast and pray and do without everything and give all my money, everything away. That's Gnostic theology. See, it's one of the two ways. It's either you do, 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 do to try to please God and you make your life miserable, your flesh miserable so you can grow in the spirit or it's all okay, God loves me. I can do anything I want, any way, anyhow I want Are are y'all following this? See, it's still the same world today that it was back then. We still think the same way. And we have a tendency to one or the two thought processes. And they're both wrong because they're both incomplete. Jesus came full of grace and truth, not partially. So... What Paul, uh, what John does when he writes this letter is he grabs a hold of both worlds and he starts, this is so incredibly beautiful. He starts his his letter to the churches by grabbing a hold of both worlds, the truth world, the grace world, and pulling them together and making agreeable statements. They'll both say yes, 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 yes. And the light shines in the darkness and the darkness has not overcome it. Now, there was a man who came from God. His name was John. Oh, all right. So now we're talking about a man down here. Now, John, he came as a witness to testify concerning the light so that through him all might believe. And he himself, John, was not the light. He came only as a witness to the light, the true light that gives light to everyone coming into the world. There is a true light coming. This is good stuff. And the true light gives light to everyone coming in the world. He was not, he was in the world, and though the world was made through him, the world did not recognize him. And now everybody's still in agreement. Yeah, we get it, we get it. He came to that which is own. What? His own didn't receive. Well, yeah, he spoke to us and we didn't receive it. No, no. Yet to all who receive him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become the children of God. The children born not of natural descent nor of human decision or of a husband's wills, but born of God and then... Then right in the middle of this, they're all just sort of like set up and then John drops the (sighs) A-bomb. Verse 14, this word, this word became flesh. This spirit crossed the divide and became one of us. The spirit world invaded the logos of God, the very God himself who made it all interacted with our world, became flesh and dwelt among us. Now, now, this threw everybody into a tizzy. By now, I mean, this is the bomb. This is the bomb of bombs. I mean, the logos are supposed to speak to us, not become one of us. God's supposed to sit in heaven and judge us, not be one of us. <laughs> you know, we, we still have the same problem today. We can expect, accept a prophet from God. Muslims to this day would call Jesus a good prophet. As a matter of fact, I've heard a lot of people say, Jesus is a good teacher. Well, he's Lord of all heaven and earth. Well, no, 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 I'm not gonna go that far. I'll call him Lord as long as I don't actually have to submit to him and make him my Lord. See, we have the same problem, is we wanna believe in a good prophet, in somebody good that's spiritual out there, a God who sits in heaven, who tells us what to do, but Jesus wasn't condemned content to sit in heaven and tell us what to do. He actually became one of us and walked among us. We really don't want God interacting with us that close because once God comes to earth, the rules all change. And to those of you over here, the simple fact I just said there are rules, you're now, no, no, change the channel in that remote. But I I think it's funny to me, I've I've had people tell me there are no rules. There are no rules. There's no such thing. There is no such thing as absolute truth. Have you ever had anybody say that there's no such thing as absolute truth? What's funny to me, and I find this quite comical, is that is an absolute truth statement. There's no such thing as rules. You can't tell me what to do. There are no rules. That's a rule. And you telling me I can't tell you what to do is a rule. Could we judge our hypocrisy a little bit and just realize that all of us that are making up excuses why we don't have to follow God's rules, we are actually creating rules of our making to subvert God's rules. So, actually the fact that there are rules throws some people in a tizzy and then they're willing to accept Jesus as a good person but not as God. The God who tells them that you have to not only be full of truth but you also have to be full of grace. You have to be full of both. So that is why we're here. The story of Christmas. That the word, God himself, became flesh and dwelt among us. And this message today is to convince you what God wants to do in your life if you will simply let him invade your space. I read this by Max Lucado years ago. It says, majesty in the midst of mundane holiness in the filth of sheep manure and sweat. Divinity entering the world on the floor of a stable through the womb of a teenager in the presence of a carpenter. For 33 years, he would feel everything you and I have felt. He felt weak. He grew weary. He was afraid of failure. He was susceptible to wooing women. He got colds. He burped. He had body odor. He, his feelings got hurt. He got tired. His head ached. To think of Jesus in such a light is, well, it almost seems irreverent, doesn't it? It's not something we like to do. It's uncomfortable. It's much easier to keep... Humanity out of the incarnation to clean the manure from around the manger to wipe the sweat out of his eyes Pretend he never snored or blew or no blew his nose or hit his thumb with a hammer And what I want to bring to you today is that the word Invaded and became flesh There are three things if this really happened there are three takeaways we have And those three takeaways are pretty quick. We're going to follow right along. The first takeaway is this he cares now, let me back up one, one simple thing real quick. The reason I believe all of this isn't a myth or a fairy tale is because of what happened on Easter. And we'll talk about that in Easter season. But if you ever really want to investigate, um, start with a very simple book. It's real simple. It's really small. It's called More Than a Carpenter. I encourage you to pick it up and read it. It'd be worth your time to read. If you really, really are asking whether Jesus is who he claims he is, pick up that book and read it. It's a real simple read. It'll just take you couple hours, it'll be good for you, all right? Um, three statements that God made by coming in flesh. Number one, he cares. Now, the most significant message that God gave us is the, in the incarnation is that he cares about us. There's an old saying, don't judge a man. Indians used to say, don't judge a man until you've walked a mile in his moccasins. And I would say, don't judge a lady until you've walked a mile in high heels. <laughs> but I will not do that. <laughs> Trust me. All right. So Jesus did that. He came down and he walked among us and understood our life. Now, this past year, me and my wife, we took a trip down to Oklahoma. That's about an 18-hour trip to go to Oklahoma. And Arkoma, Oklahoma is the vacation capital of the world. It is scenic, beautiful. Arcoma. Why did I travel all the way to Arcoma, Oklahoma, 18 hours, spend night in hotels, drive all those hours, spend all that money so I could sit in the living room with my mom for a couple of days because COVID wouldn't allow us to get out and do anything. Why would I do that? Because I love my mom. I would drive to Oklahoma, spend all kinds of money to do it to show I care. What God did in the incarnation, what He did for us is He drove to earth and he hung out with us for a few years. He loves us. Jesus' arrival on earth and his death are proof that God's loving and caring. John 3, 16 in the same book says, for God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him, Should not perish, but have eternal life. So God loved us. That's why he came to this world. Romans 5, 8. I love this verse. It says, but God demonstrated. God God wasn't simply satisfied to tell you he loved you. He demonstrated his own love toward us in this. While we were still sinners, while we were still running from him, while we were still fighting him, he loved us and died for us. Many see God in heaven, aloof, not wanting to get involved with our lives. It isn't so. God passionately loves you. He cares about every part of your life. He loves you. Now, years ago, one of my girls, uh, I was an early parent, and one of my girls did not sleep at night. I don't know if you've ever encountered a kid that two o'clock was party time for them, but that was this one daughter of mine. It was like two o'clock in the morning, get a couple hours sleep, wake up, and it was party time. Bounce 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 You know that sound that the springs make on the crib, jing 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 two o'clock in the morning. Oh my goodness. Now now I was a young parent now, there are those, we, we made a rule, we didn't want any kid coming into our bed because then that would be winning and we weren't, so I'd go in, I'd be like, all right, it's time to go back to sleep, lay down now, cover them back up, you know, that thing. And then a couple of minutes later, I'd hear, jinga jinga jing and I'd go back in and I'd be like, you lay down now or you're going to get in trouble, stop it, you know, and I know you're already judging me, you parents that are full of truth, every parent judges full of truth, you didn't do it the right way, you should have read my book, listen, chill out, practice some grace on a parent. <laughs> so anyway, uh, I, I didn't know what to do because then after I disappointed, it was, ah, I cry, you know, and it's like two in the morning and then 30, 45 minutes later, I'm like, <laughs> and I, what I want to do is lose control, but I can't do that because, you know, so I did this, that's what I did. I'd go into her room and I took a pillow and I threw it on the floor and I took a blanket I wrapped up in a blanket I stuck my hand up in the crib and as long as I was laying there and the hand was in the crib Ah. you know I'd go to sleep and she'd stay awake and everybody else could I at least got a couple of moments sleep now don't judge me parents but you know what I wanted to say there is I love you. There are some rules in our household. You're not going to lay in our bed. We're not, we decided early on we weren't going to do that. I know you just, you should, uh, stick it in your nostril. (laughs) Listen, do you know what I wanted to say to that little girl? I love you, but there are rules. There's grace. I'll give up some of my comfort so I can show you I love you. Full of grace and truth that's imperfect as a dad but wouldn't it be a whole lot better if in our world we treated one another with this level of grace and love even embracing the truth all right second of all god understands he cares but he also understands two necessary ingredients to understanding is for for understanding to translate into something valuable is number 1 they have to understand the problem now listen i have i've said for years that A problem, I I read this years ago, a problem well-defined is 90% solved. Ask any auto mechanic. They will tell you that as long as they're searching for the problem, they can't fix it. (laughs) Right? Doctor, anybody ever been to a doctor practicing medicine? (laughs) They're practicing. Why? Until they define what the problem is, they can't help you solve it. As long as you have a problem, you can't name what it is. I, I got jokes. I'll skip them, all right? Will y'all give me an extra 30 seconds? Guy goes into the doctor and says, Doctor, when I do this, it hurts. Doctor, when I do this, it hurts. Doctor, when I do this, it hurts. And the doctor looked and said, Oh, you have a broken finger. <laughs> <laughs> oh, well. You have to understand the problem. I was a golfer. I, I, I love playing golf, I, but for years and years and years, I had this monster slice, okay? I'd get up and it would be like, I'd have to aim over here to get it to go over there. It would be like, zzz, banana ball all the way. And, and you know, I talked to people. I even went to some people who didn't play golf and I said, hey, could you tell me how to fix my slice? How, how smart would that be to go to somebody who doesn't understand golf to help you fix a slice at golf? Not very smart, right? So you need to get somebody that understands the problem. So I took a couple of, uh, I, I took some lessons from an online thing of a golfer and, and I listened to a guy who, who's a really good golfer and he gave me a couple of drills and I practiced some drills and I got rid of my slice because I talked to somebody who understood the problem. But the second thing is understanding the problem, um, If you if you have a computer, anybody ever Like get a computer and you like don't know what to do and you need somebody to help you fix it. I've gotten to the point when I get a new phone, I don't even try to fix it myself. I just hand it to whoever the younger person in the room is. The youngest person asks them to fix it because it's funny. A two-year-old can handle a phone better than I can now. (laughs) Y'all know what I'm talking about? Computer issues. You want somebody that understands it. I don't understand. They do. Hmm. A helper not only needs to understand the problem, but a helper also needs to know the answer to the problem. It's one thing to understand the problem, but it's a second thing to know what to do with it. So example, if you have a problem with your finances, you don't go to a financial planner that's bankrupt like four times. Hey, I've been bankrupt four times, but I tell you what, you pay me 10%, I will make you money. That's not the financial planner you want, am I correct? How about, how about this? How about, I'm having trouble in my marriage. I'm going to go to someone that's been divorced five times. That's not really the person I want to give me advice, so you need to understand the problem, but you also need to know what the answers are. Jesus meets both criteria. He understands and he knows what to do about it. Hebrews chapter 4, verse 15, For we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but we have one who has been tempted in every way just as we are yet was without sin. So Jesus not only understands your temptations, but he also understands how to overcome because he himself under, overcame. Now I know some of you are going to say, but he was God. Well, let me tell you, God became fully flesh and fully flesh means that he had 100% capability of sinning. If he would not, why would this Satan try to tempt him? There's no reason to try to tempt if you know you're going to lose. Jesus had to have the the possibility of failing, but yet he overcame every single time. Wouldn't it be better to listen to him than your teenage buddies? Wouldn't it be better to listen to him than your cronies at the water cooler or your Facebook friends or your TikTok? I, I wish I could take All the lies off TikTok, it would be about 30 seconds long, the whole thing. I didn't say that, did I? Hey, listen, I had a great foreman one time. I was in the factory, and the best foreman I ever had, best foreman I ever had, he was a guy that had worked on the line for years and had done every job. And they had just promoted him to be foreman, and he was foreman over that portion. And and I remember one day I was having trouble with a job. I couldn't get it done. He came up and said, here, let me show you how to do that. And he showed me how to do it because he himself had done it. Jesus can show you how to be the person God made you to be because he himself has done it. Number three, he can help. He can help. Years ago, I was uh, teaching one of my kids how to ride a bike. Now, maybe your kids aren't like mine, but mine have a little bit of their father in them. They are incredibly headstrong. So this little kid, we're out, we took him over to the metro park, I can still picture the field where we were, it was a baseball field, nobody was there, the ground was hard on the infield and, and I took him and I took the bike and I got him up on the bike and got him going. They started, they rode a little bit and then they did what all kids do the first time, they ride a bike. They what? They fell. Right? What'd they do? They fell, they wiped out. Yeah, yeah. You can, you can say it, please talk back to me to let me know you're awake. What did they all do? Come on, what did my kid do? They fell or wiped out, all right, all right, good. So. Then I watch as the kid gets the bike, stands it up and tries to get on, but they weren't doing it the right way. And they couldn't get back over the bike so they could ride. They couldn't, you know, they, they just couldn't get on the bike. They couldn't get on the bike. And I'm sitting there watching. I said, do you, do you want me to tell you how to do that? No, I got it. Come on, anybody, anybody know what that is? I got it. So I stood there and I watched. And, no, I got it. I stood there and watched. I got it, I got it. Finally, I, I said, when you get tired of failing, you let me know, I'll help you. And I stood there for a long time. I can still see it. I can still see that kid fighting with a bike, couldn't get their leg over. Finally, okay, dad, would you help? I taught them a technique, and within a matter of a couple of seconds, they were riding their own bike, falling, getting back on it, and riding their own bike again. But they had to do something really crazy. Admit they needed Most of us are where we are in life and we have the problems we have because we don't want to ask God for help because then we would have to admit we're wrong. God can help you. But the first thing you have to do is admit, Romans three twenty three for all, how many? That includes who? Everybody, that includes me. Just go ahead and point, that's me. That's me. It includes me. All have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Admit that you have sinned. Admit that it's not working. Admit you've tried and you've failed and you just don't know what to do. God, I don't know what to do. Could you help? Admit. Second thing, you have to believe that Jesus can help you. For God so loved the world, John 3, 16. God so loved the world that he gave his only son, that whoever believes in him would not perish but have eternal life. You have to believe that God can help. John 1, we'll reference this again. But to all who did receive him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become the children of God. You have to believe that God can help. And then the third thing you have to do is you have to confess that you've sinned and that only God can help. The Bible, this word confess in the Greek, if we confess our sins, that word confess is a unique word in the Greek and it means literally to say the same words as, to agree to a level of we're saying the same words about the same issue. Listen, God's got issues with your life and you're defining it and you're defending it based upon your decisions of what you want to have happen. Either it's too much grace I'm giving myself into doing things that I know I ought not do and I'm defending it or it's too much truth I'm being... A jerk to somebody and not loving them the way I ought to, and I'm defending why I don't have to love them. Either way, it is wrong. Either way, it's wrong. So, God says, You must confess your sins. You must agree with God about your sins. And if you do that, if you speak the same words as Him, you agree about the roots and the causes then he is faithful and just and he'll not only forgive you of your sin, he will purify you from all unrighteousness. That's God's job. He wants to take these two and meld them together and give you the life you want. But you have to confess, God, I need your help and you're right and I'm not. And then you have to receive this new life God gives you. The Bible says in, in Romans six twenty three, the wages of sin is dead, but there is a gift of God. There is a gift of God. And you just, what do you do? A gift. It's Christmas time, you know, it's Christmas time, time to open the gifts. And you're like, no, I'm not going to open those. What? what? Come on, you bring me those presents. I'm going to open them, right? Right. But if you get a present, what do you have to do? You have to receive the present. You can't say, no, take it back with you. You'll never get the blessing. You have to receive the gift of God. And if you do that, Jesus can help you. Hebrews chapter two, verse eight, because he himself suffered when he was tempted, he is able to help those who are being tempted. This all sounds so absurd, doesn't it? All sounds so wonderfully absurd, you know, that God loves us enough and cares for us so much that he wants to help us. God, yeah, well, all right, God, if you love so much, where have you been in 2020? 2020. Anybody say things like that? It's all right to say those things. It's all right to have those questions. But at some point you have to agree that maybe God sees something you don't see and you have to agree with him and come into alignment with his way of thinking that maybe, just maybe, just maybe he is working in spite of it all. I have to confess and agree because he is able to help. I got a little video clip I'm gonna show you in just a second and it's from the movie It's a Wonderful Life. And it's a prayer that's Whispered by broken down George Bailey. And the character is played by Jimmy Stewart in this classic film. And, and um, he was in this scene, Bailey is sitting at a bar and, and he's praying. And as he's at this bar, he says a prayer. And if you notice, I'll explain why in just a second, but if you notice his eye, the eye that's farthest from the camera, if you'll notice, big teardrop forms and rolls out of his eye. And I'll tell you what he think a little bit after we watch the, the clip. I love you, man. Father in heaven. I'm not a praying man, but if you're up there and you can hear me, show me the way. I'm at the end of my rope, right? Show me the way, oh God. When Stuart was asked about that scene and how he was able to put so much emotion into it he said at that moment I stopped acting and I started thinking about all the people in the world that were dealing with loneliness and hurt and problems and issues and what came out was a heartfelt prayer God if you can do something show me the way 2,000 years ago Jesus Christ came to this earth and he showed us the way God himself invaded our space to show us the way, show us how we can live in victory, how we don't have to separate our flesh from our spirit. We don't have to separate our God on a second story of our life and never let him interact with our ground level life. You know, a lot of us do that. We, we're still Gnostic in our approach. We say, God you, you live on the second story. That's where I'm spiritual, is on Sundays or when I go visit you. But I'm gonna live every day down here acting however I want. And that's why we call God things like the man upstairs. It's all right as long as he stays upstairs, but Jesus just doesn't wanna stay upstairs. He wants to come down and go to work with you. He wants to come down and live your life with you. He wants to come down and interact with your family on a daily basis. He He wants to show you, but here's what you gotta do you got to believe that he cares. You have to ask for his help. And then you have to receive it when he gives it. There's some of you in this room, I I, I felt a strong urge once again to do this. I, I don't always do this, but I'd like you to bow your heads with me, all right? Please. I'm going to ask you for just a second just to not look around. Don't do that. I don't normally do this, but I, I believe that there's some people in this room today that you have a hard time believing God really loves you just the way you are. False failures, warts, sins, everything. Your bad attitude, your anger, God loves you. He loves you. Not loves you, but God loves you. He loves you. And I'm gonna ask you, if you're, if you're in this space today or you're watching online and, and you're, you're saying, I, I just have a hard time accepting that. Would you right now, would you acknowledge the love of God simply by saying, thank you, Jesus, for loving me? Thank you, Jesus, for loving me. Say it out loud, audible. I mean, you don't have to say it loud, but at least let it come out of your lips. Say it with me, say it with me around this room. If you struggle with that, say it out loud. Thank you, Jesus, for loving me. I receive and accept your love. Thank you, Jesus, for loving me. Thank you. Right now, would you receive that love? Receive it. Let it wash over you. Let it wash over your hurt, your pain, your sorrow. Let it wash it over right now in the name of Jesus. And let the love of God Almighty wash over you. Experience it. Receive it. Receive it. You've never given your life to jesus christ and you want to give your life to jesus today it's your day you say you know what i'm gonna receive i'm gonna go all the way i'm gonna confess my sins i'm gonna agree that jesus is my lord i'm making my lord and savior right now if that's you lift your hand really high i want to pray with you right now that's you you need to receive jesus make him your lord today yes yes there are there others yes yes around this room there are people online just text believe to that number that's on the screen Nobody prays alone at Harvest Ridge. Everybody pray out loud. Come on, we do this together. Everybody, come on. Grace here and truth. Come on, can we do it together? Everybody out loud with your words. Dear Jesus, Jesus. I give you my life. I will follow you. I am a sinner. Please forgive me. Thank you for loving me. No more excuses. Be my Lord if you prayed that and you meant it right now, Jesus Christ forgave you, washed you, you have new life. You are new in Jesus right now. Would you stand with me around this room? We're gonna sing this song. We're gonna sing the second verse of uh, uh, Graves in the Gardens again. But if you're in a place right now that you're like, I need some help. Come on, God loves you, God understands, and God can help. He can help. Jesus can help you. If you need some help, as we sing this song, why don't you try the old kid way? Daddy, pick me up. God help. Throw both hands in the air and say, Jesus, help me right now. You got something that you need His help. As we sing this song, lift your hands as an act of surrender and as an act of prayer and worship. God help right now. Come on, let's sing it together.